you've known this was your purpose for a minimum the last two years. And you had safety nets in place and you got comfortable. Uh, but even, you know, one of my, my mentors, was, uh, we were talking through investments and all these things, and he was just like, why? He was like, if I was an investor, why would I give you money when you don't believe in yourself enough to take the, take the step? I heard investment make the Forbes list. Amazon, the rock nation made investments itself. Go buy the building, don't be worried about it. Door split. Even if the mission get hard, you can't avoid it. You see me getting money, well, I'm just expressing myself. It's harder building on your own. You always welcome to help. Build a mastermind group works in the pony and heal. Alright guys, we back in for another episode of Change Agents. My name is Caleb. Trev. And today we have the amazing, phenomenal Lindsay Barnett from Culture guys? Misfit. So super excited for this conversation. What's going on? What's thoughts? How you feeling? I'm good. Excited to be here with y'all. I think we've been trying to get this done for it's feel like a year. It's been a minute. It feels like a year. But I think that speaks to like number one, you being such a captivator and such a story that we constantly was trying to refigure out how to get it done. You had a crazy year last year, busy year. We had a crazy year last year, busy year. And I just think, you know, it just speaks to the quality. Like, I, I kind of am happy that we didn't get you earlier because we got way more to talk about. Because he has more yeah. stories to tell now. So. It's, it's, it's so much to really talk about in this conversation, but I want to take things back to kind of start with your origin story, just okay. kind of like building up to being the change agent that you are today. You know, what, what did it really start with you building Culture Misfits and the ideation of it and, you know, the core? Like, what, what, what started it? What was that? that yeah. Moment? I mean, first and foremost, it is coming from a family of entrepreneurs. So it's like I always knew business was something I wanted to do, whether it was going to be alongside a corporate career mm. or independently. That was, you know, story yet to be written. But the, the core of knowing I wanted to do it was, right. was always from the beginning. Um, but the inspiration of KM as a whole came from people like y'all, came from friends, mm. um, came from listening to other people's stories. Uh, their origin stories, their backgrounds, and then realizing like, no, nah, we're, we're a unique group, the ones that are fearful or fearless enough to, to get out there mm. and essentially become culture misfits, like proud of who they are, proud of who they are, right. standing tall in it, but also like I can learn about you and it not be intimidating to me. Yeah. And then once I know more about you, we get to go on and impact other people based off of my story and your story. Right. But the misfit right. of it all is that I'm not afraid to be me the whole time. Right, right, right. So that's, that's really um, it. And it's what, eight years now? Eight years in March. Eight years. March Eight years. You, know, um, you remember the date? March 4th. Yeah. March 4th. Um, 2014? 15. 13? 15. That's 15. right. That's right. That's right. Um, but just to dive into that some more, like, we got a very unique relationship that I really yes. want to just talk about here. Like, you know, one of the first few photo shoots that I've ever done was with you, you know what I'm saying? And Culture Misfits. And just to see the growth of the brand, the growth of where I've grown, you know, the growth of the studio, it just it's just crazy. So just like I wanna just talk about that a little bit. Like what was I don't know, what was that process of just like, you know, working with different, you know, creatives, you know, like myself and like you, um, you know, starting out. Like what was that like, you know, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, 
when I started the brand, it was out of necessity. Like yeah. I, I needed my own creative outlet at that time. I was right. just graduated, looking for a job, realized I was sitting at home doing nothing too much and yeah. just needed to get my mind back to work. So I launched the brand. I think you and I probably had a conversation yeah. around that same time and you was just saying you wanted to pick up a camera. So I was just like, all right, let me get a couple things figured out. But like in a couple <laughs> of weeks, let's go Marietta yeah. Square and get our first shoot going. And yeah. you know, it was models were friends. Like we we literally didn't know what we were doing across right. the board. Right. Um, but to see that go from you know again eight years in, you've been my main yeah. photographer, videographer, right. creating teams around us this entire time. Like both taking my vision <laughs> of you know fashion and the storytelling aspect of it, but then mm. your eye, you know, you could look at Ali and I see Ali, yeah. and then you look at it and you see art. Right. So like mixing those two things with the clothes is is how we grew and, and, and to piggyback off that to piggyback off that like you know like the way you talk about I see an alley is the same way you look at like certain clothes yeah. and you see art you yeah. know what I mean and Definitely. I may not see it that way so it's just you know like playing off of each other in that aspect was just like a special thing to me um, and you know what I'm saying again just seeing like the growth you know what I'm saying yeah, from that. For real to now and like when we talk about those productions where it was just like a lot of models that were our friends like you know that's how a lot of these bigger jobs that we've been on as producers and directors yeah. and stuff like that like that same you know culture of like you might work with somebody that you know you rock with and you know it works out and then we five years six years later when we were working with those bigger brands like you know like Jordan you know, uh, Spurs and stuff like that. Like we did the same thing yeah. that we were doing five, six years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, <laughs> it's the beauty of it. I think yeah. even when we look back at like the greats in art and sports and whatever, it's like it all started with a group of right. people who believed in one another just a little bit. Like that's really where it starts. Right. And to be able to stay with that same team and you expand it, you can get introduced to new people, but like at the end of the day, like y'all are my core. Right. And so right. it's like when I need that gut check, when you know we getting too big for ourselves, mm -hmm. I need the people in my corner that I trust, keeping your circle small, but like very strategic. And once we all kind of align that we're trying to change the world, right. like all right, now I got my people with me to change the world, and then we keep bringing on more people. But overall, I, I really just want to ask too, like, what I don't know. So like for. A lot of creatives and a lot of entrepreneurs, like they hit, you know, a roadblock when it comes to the idea mm -hmm. of a thing, and then they don't really follow through the execution part. Like, what was that one thing that just pushed you to keep, like, really going? You know what I'm saying? And just finish the idea instead of let let it live in a notebook. Like, it, it became a real thing. It became a website. It became branded. Been on several shows over the years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so on and so forth. Like, what? Like, what was that thing to make you follow through? Yeah, I mean, it's two parts. One, first and foremost is God. Like, every time I wanted to quit, yeah. there was some outside of my control thing yeah. that said, nah, this is you, this is your purpose, this is your mission, this is what you're supposed to be doing here on this earth. Like, that yeah. is the number one driver. Um, second was just the business aspect of it. Like, yeah. once I realized, like, okay, I can understand the back end, mm -hmm. the creative is, is comes more natural. Mm -hmm. And so, like, those are the two, I think, biggest things that push me, I mean, again, and it's people. I'm also someone that once I put it out there in the world and people now know about it, I'm cautious of my reputation. I'm cautious of what I'm saying I'm going to do and being held accountable to those things. Right. So it's like I never put anything out there that I'm not ready to commit to. Mm. Um, and once I do, it's just like, yeah, whether that's a little selfish of me, it's just like I, I don't want you to then ask me about it and I'm like, oh, no, I haven't been doing it in a couple <laughs> of years. Like, that, that can't be my story. Yeah. So that is a driver for me as to how to keep it moving forward. Right. But at the end of the day, like it's 
it's the story that we're telling. Like to know that the term cultured misfits came out of nowhere. Right. For me, it came, it literally just kind of hit me. But to know that people resonate with it enough to be like, no, I am one. And I didn't know that that's what I needed to be called. Yeah. And I didn't know that there was more people out here like me. Like, like that what, what, drives what, what, me. And again, I know the answer to this, but like <laughs> what, where did the title of the brand really come from? Like at its core? At its core, it came from a group of friends. Like I, I was with a group that weren't afraid to express themselves and to disagree and still be friends at the end. Like that was the biggest part of it. And when I talk about the story and, and being in college and being a part of a group that, again, was about self-expression, about poetry, about yeah. rap, about all of those, like art. Um, I always say that like if a teacher or professor had walked past our room, they'd been like, who, why are all of y'all together? Because our, we don't look like we should be friends. Right. So we were a group of misfits. We, that's just what we were on campus. That's how we kind of identified. And, but then I was like, at the end of the day, we're culturing ourselves. Like we're, we're willing to learn from one right. another. So when you put those two things together, it's like, okay, we are a group of cultured misfits. And then I wanted to spice it up a little bit and change the C to a K yeah. in honor of my dad. My dad was a Kappa. Right. He, again, entrepreneur in my family, yeah. what I saw growing up. And so it's like, okay, how can I have a piece of him and a piece of my family in the brand, no matter how big or small we become, he's always going to be a part of it. Yeah. And, and the reason why I understand the things I understand, the, the drive that I have comes from family. But at the end yeah. of the day, it was, again, it's, it's community. Right. Like it's finding a place, you know, our mantra being we never meant to fit in, but meaning that in the sense of there, it's okay to be yourself, it's okay to be an individual and, and to have unique qualities about yourself, but yeah. realizing that if you have a community of everybody who understands that, we can all impact the world that much better by being right. that community. Right. So <clears throat> so when y'all started, y'all was at Kennesaw State, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what year was, were you in in school when it kind of clicked that you wanted to do it? Was that junior year? Um, Based I was gonna say, yeah, math, I, I was a <laughs> yeah, I had just transferred. I started off at school at Georgia Southern. I had just transferred to Kennesaw State. Yep. Um, I had decided I wanted to go into entertainment and music business, and Kennesaw had a program for that. So I transferred my senior year mm -hmm. and added a, a few more classes and courses to extend my time. Um, that's when I met Caleb. Yep. So you've been um, crazy your whole life. Cause <laughs> like, to do school longer, yeah. And just like the bravery to transfer that uh, close, your senior yeah. year. Like, once I figured out what I wanted, it was like there's nothing, it's only me that's going to prevent me from getting it. And, like that, that's and, the mindset and, and for me. That's the, that's the mindset that I was talking about earlier. It's just like, just having that, like, you know, if you want to call it like an it factor, you just have that, you know what I'm saying? Just to, like, whatever you put your mind to, you're going you gonna to get it done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it may not and be easy, like, but. It's not know, easy, but, you know, few people have that mindset. And again, like, you're one of the, re that's one of the reasons why you are, you know, a change agent for us, so. And that's, yeah. so was that your senior year too? Nah, I think I was, what, like? Your year, I think you're under me. Yeah, so yeah. A, year, a year behind, so I was like sophomore, junior. Sophomore, sophomore junior. junior, yeah. So what was your original major in school? Uh, marketing. Marketing. Yeah, yeah. So Same. I love it. I was just in business school. I wasn't taking no, like, photo, video classes. Um, we actually met through a business fraternity that was, like, co-ed, and, you know, which, you know, that is a whole separate thing, too, because, like, a lot of, you know, people that we work with now, that came from that, you know, organization. It's so crazy because all of us so close, and it's like, even now, what, we like five, ten minutes in? Yeah. Like, just finding new interconnected things. Like, yeah. I was talking to Marcel and uh, Sammy yeah. about how I transferred in high school my senior year. Mm. And that's like... It changed everything. It's crazy. Yeah. It changed It changed my life, number one. Yeah. But everybody thought I was crazy to leave my senior year. Now, granted, I had, like, some other motivating factors, 
But like, it's just this bravery in in little things or things that we consider little that we did in our life that is like nobody else would have did that. Nobody else would have been brave enough to be that close to the edge and say, you know what? I'm going to blow right. it up a little bit. Now they yeah. would have waited to <laughs> they graduated and maybe try to go to grad school at another school or, you know, just not kind of kind of ignored the urge to do whatever they was going to do. So I'm like, that's one interconnected thing. And then we have like, you know, it's called an HBUC, the U.S. for University. We have like this educational undertone for everything we, that we do. And like, number one, y'all found each other in college. Y'all found y'all purpose in college that was different from kind of what your original mm. destination was. Mm-hmm. And I just feel, I feel like that's important because, you know, we're in such a hurry to do everything. Everybody's right. in yeah. such a hurry right. to do everything. Or everybody feels like they can cut a corner, and a lot of times that corner is educational. A lot of times mm-hmm. that corner is, you know, an extra year of work, or that corner is always something that they want to cut out. And mm. it's just, you know, profound that that's how y'all kind of found y'all lanes and, and it went there. So, you know, I, I love that, but that makes you also a misfit. Yeah. Right, so all I mean, this stuff kind of ties together. It's easy to want to cut those corners. Like, I don't want to front and say that in the eight years of business, I haven't been frustrated that we haven't grown faster or been where I saw other people being. Like, that's been a part of our journey, too, is realizing, like, what's for us is for us. Mm-hmm. And even in the more recent successes that we've had, people have been watching us the entire time that has led to those successes. So it's given me that extra vote of confidence of, like, okay, we're taking our time, we're branding well, we're telling our story, we're building because we're building for longevity, not for the right now. And, f- yeah. and I think a lot of people, to your point, of like they think of the right now and don't think of the possibilities of what could come if they were to just be a little bit more patient. And like we're, I'm teaching myself that daily. Or they get like their first big win and they think now they change. Yeah. they change their whole process. Like one of the things I love about Caleb is he'll go shoot yard runners one day and then come shoot one of his homeboys four videos, pull up yeah. by itself and shoot it. Because it's still, number one, it's still reps. Number two, it's still character. He still has that relationship. Yeah. But also, it's just the fact that this big win doesn't change tomorrow necessarily the work that I still need to do or the things that I still need to maintain. So, like, what do you think was the first big win for Coach and Misfits where you was like, okay, this is real? I mean, honestly, our first probably biggest win was Charlemagne the God wearing a shirt. Like, that was the first thing that we had put in a whole bunch of work right. and waited for the result as far as, like, something that can be visual that other people can see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I consider all of the getting the business started, having the website, our very first sale, like, all I those are people post they, big they wins. <laughs> the LLC it's, certification. It's comp- That's because you think it's, it's easy. You can do a, do a ton it's in two, a day, but yeah. to a lot of people... It's the start of what they're yeah. doing. Um, so I think that was the first, like, quote-unquote big one where we actually, like, got real gassed about it. It was like, okay, this is going to change everything. How long right. ago was that? 20... Mm, it's been a few 17, years. maybe? Yeah, like, years. it was within the first, like, first 18 two. months or so. Yeah, yeah, but still, you know, again, that was... We had worked really hard to get to that moment right. and, and felt like it was going to... Everything that we, you know, did in the beginning felt like, oh, once we get here, everything will change. Mm-hmm. And I think in business, we've learned that, like, okay, it's... a, a uh, accumulation of small steps that are going to get you there. There's really no such thing as that one big break that's genuinely going to change your whole business. Because if and if it does, you may not be ready for that level of change that's coming to your business. We've seen a lot of brands, you know, scale really quickly, not know what to do, whether their customer service struggles, whether their sales itself struggle, the the quality of their product, all of those things. 
Um, but all of those are important parts of, of the KM brand. So it's like, I want to scale in a way that still allows us to keep those things in place. Mm. And that's one of my focuses. Like I study founders. Like Same. I think traditional um, kind of background, people study companies. Mm -hmm. I study founders. Uh, I know companies, but companies typically run like companies. Like yeah, there's you other have people there. Laws, you have yeah. a balance sheet, you right. have a payroll, you have yeah. all these things. Yeah. What changes it? And so like I watched, uh, it's a show called We Crashed. Mm -hmm where it's like a miniseries based on WeWork. Mm. And their biggest problem was they scaled too fast. Like, it's a lot, yeah. If we're being honest, every company now has a little bit of WeWork's business model in it. Everybody wants to go subscription-based, mm -hmm. everybody wants to go community-based, everybody wants to go co-op workspace. So it's not that they had a failed model, mm. they just had a founder who got drunk off of scaling. And so now it's like we're in the red but, and we really should like, yeah. you know, make some changes in the current stuff. But I want a building in China and I want a building here and I want yeah. a building here and I want a building here. So he just kept like trying to scale without fixing the foundation. So I think it's important that you also state that, hey, you know, that big that big win or that that big win that we thought was a big win was really just a step. Yeah. And. You know, this, it's just how this thing goes. Yeah. Um, talk about, I want to talk about how does it, we talk a lot about uh, black-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. As a black CEO, mm -hmm. how hard is it to build teams? The hardest thing I've ever done. Still haven't done it successfully. Like it's, it goes into the trust factor. It's the wanting to build with friends. It's trying to bring in people who have an expertise in what they do, but then also realizing you're a small business and maybe can't give them what they deserve in that moment in order to grow the way that you want to. Um, so it comes down to, to trust and finding people who believe in what you're doing, just even a fraction of how much you believe in it and, and building with them, giving them incentives and reasons to want to be around, whether that's just creative input to the financial side of it, like that's whatever your business can do. But at the end of the day, like, I don't do KM by myself. I don't do it without a support system. And whether it is people who are directly involved in the brand or it's the support system I have around me, either way, it, it doesn't happen if it's just me. Right. And so it's one, recognizing that, that the team is required. Um, and knowing that like there's people who come and go throughout the phase of the team and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a reflection on something, something that you've done or that they've done. It's just the growth process that you go through. Is it hard to not take it personal when you lose people? Yes, especially if, you, if the people you're losing are friends. And that's how you, you met prior to the brand or prior to the business. You brought them in and they wanted to be a part of it. You grow in different ways or friction is created through the thing that you're building. And it's, you know, just like any rapper, any artist or anyone that you talk to, like in order to grow what you're doing, you kind of have to be selfish in some aspects. You have to be single minded on what you're trying to get done. And that may mean losing relationships. And so it's like, how do you either separate for the piece of the relationship, making sure that you can keep them separated um, and protect them, or you sacrifice one for the other. It just it all depends on the person and what it is that you're trying to get done and what they contribute to what you're doing. But as you grow, the business itself is changing too. So what was okay and suitable for you and whoever's on your team two years ago may not be okay for where you're trying to go. Like I'm, I'm a big of what got you here may not get you there and having to adjust and having people in your corner who can get you there. So it's like, that's real. A big part of the scale, though. Do y'all think it's harder for us as black as a black culture to kind of get that buy-in from 
black people, whether that's our friends or just employees, like, do you think we don't have like this this ball to see what other cultures kind of go through? But the more I just study, like, even just studying, even though social media is like like a garbage can these days, but like just studying like our just natural distrust for each other. And I don't know if that exists anywhere else, but I think that's the biggest part of like trying to build a team because a lot of times people might like your thing or like your idea or like your company, but they don't trust themselves or they don't trust you because you don't communicate everything with them, but that might be above their pay grade. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know if you, if it's it's harder, but it feels like it to me, do it. Feel like it is? Um, I'll say this, like, for one, you know, we, we are human, so like, we, we can be a little sensitive when s- situations don't play out the way they need to. And then two, it's like, you know, um, shit. Like, damn, I lost it. I was gonna say something crazy too. <laughs> It's gonna come back. It's gonna come back. See, when you cross the leg, it's coming back. Right? <laughs> hey, Prince Rogers Nelson gonna get his stuff back. But do you feel like I mean, that? yeah, I mean I think there's levels to it though. It's like yeah. for some reason amongst ourselves, because black businesses are known for having for not being their best, or like people think it's okay. Like for me, I have a really high standard uh, of what successful business looks like, what right. I require KM to be. And the slacking off or the not bringing your full self to it create can create problems. Like again, black businesses have that reputation of bad customer service or the quality is just not quite there. And I'm trying to buck those stereotypes at all times. And so it's, if, you, if you're coming into my circle and coming into my spaces, then I need you to have that desire and understanding as well. Um, but then it also kind of creates that, tr- that, that lack of trust sometimes in the beginning. It's like, I need you to prove a little bit that you see it and, and are interested in working as hard as I work before I give you the keys to, to everything. And knowing the back end of it, which can create, you know, friction and lack of trust there too. So it's it's a mix. Yeah, I think the tough thing about small businesses is like you kind of get what you pay for starting out. You know what I'm saying? When you starting out, you working with like like she said, just yeah. people that you know, people that's just around you in your proximity, and you might not have the funds to pay them like their full rate for mm-hmm. a certain role. You know what I'm saying? So you dealing with a lot of those friction points with different people. Um, but I just feel like. If you can get through the mud, if you will, if you can get through those first few years of frustration and dealing with people, it's only going to get better. You're only going to deal with more quality or qualified people who are qualified for a said role. You know what I'm saying? But like those first couple of years, which is what you're talking about, and which is what she's dealt with, what we've dealt with, um, in so many different ways. Like that's that's it. You know what I'm saying? That's it's the main also, thing. Yeah, it's also those intangibles, though. It's like the people that do ride with you through that whole thing, yeah. like the stories and connections you have of where we started to where we are at whatever point that is, is, is untouchable. Like it doesn't matter who comes into the fold after that. It's like, you won't know all of the blood, sweat and tears we've gone through to get to the, now what you see that in the expectation (coughs) that you have when you're building that team, like once you're further on, like the people who, like I said, have been with me from day one, know the real grind of what it took to get us to where we are right now. And even from when we, 10 more years from now, when we're literally global, like it, those will be the only people who understand it the way yeah, that I do. They'll be the only ones to understand it. And then too, like another thing that I saw recently from um Pinky Cole for Slady Vegan, you know what I'm saying? Shout out her. Like she talked about like really building with your day ones and building in a sense of like this ain't just our brand. This ain't just our shit. Like this is theirs too. So mm-hmm. like giving them 
a level of equity mm -hmm. for your day ones that just like really been locked in with you, providing healthcare, mm -hmm. you know, providing value in different ways to where like they not only feel like they're a part of the brand, but they also own it too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's gonna come a point where we kind of, well, we are already there, but just, you know, having those type of conversations with mm -hmm. different people, like that's been a part of it, that know it, what it took, know what culture that you built and it's still at its core. Definitely. And you know what I'm saying? Just just building on that. So I think from a fan perspective, um, one of the best one of my favorite things about Culture Misfits is you do so much NBA basketball partnership. Anybody that know me know I'm a basketball junkie. Like I'm insane when it comes to like how much I follow the NBA. I might follow the NBA more than I follow like anything. Yeah. Talk about what's the the Spurs wasn't technically your first uh, integration with sports. I think the the Jordan um, Misfit shirts mm -hmm. was the first one. I don't want to miss. What was the name of that? Uh, uh, the Do It for the Culture. Yeah, we just taken you know retro iconic moments and and started off specifically in sports just because the intersection between sports and fashion is so key mm. and, and drives a lot of of just the thought process and ideation of what we do. Um, just wanted to have a shirt that kind of paid homage to the greats and was building on a bigger thing that we were, we had going on at the time. The best player of all time. Yeah. And, and like the best sidekick of all time. Yeah. So talk about that process. Like, I know, I kind of know the story, mm -hmm. but like, how did, um, I think of Mitchell and Ness it ended up partnering with you. Mm -hmm. How did that process, that transition go from like release to them reaching out to you or that connection? Yeah. I mean, it, it goes from people believing you in you like first and foremost so like I, I worked um in sports and, and specifically through turner broadcasting or in whatever their new name is um that led to just relationships and, and i had a previous boss who went over to the spurs and uh through her getting to know different people um in the organization she was uh speaking with one of the retail managers and he had brought up cultured misfits she didn't even know that there was a connection or any interest and just so happened to say like, oh no, I actually know the owner. I used to work with her. Do you want me to help facilitate, you know, and set up that meeting? And he said, yeah, like obviously coming off of 2020 and a lot of bigger brands and businesses wanting to work with well-established black owned brands that could help storytell whatever narrative that they were trying to push. Like he reached out, we, we had a few meetings and um, it's another one of those stories of don't be discouraged. It took a year, you know, almost over a year to actually get from the first call all the way through inventory being ordered to the actual execution and uh, open season helping to, to knock out actual content for us. Um, but through that, again, it was someone who said, I identify with your brand. I consider myself to be a culture misfit and I feel like the world should know. We'd like to be a part of your story of getting the world to know who you are. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we collabed and developed um, a, a collaborative uh, release called When Two Worlds Collide. So both right. being literal um, in my world of KM and, and the NBA and Spurs world colliding, but also, again, tell, telling the story of their lineage of the Spurs and what it, and diversity means to them and what um, being integrated and how culture impacts their team on the court and off the court. Like, we look for opportunities that genuinely mesh like that. Um, and through that, he introduced us to, to some reps at Mitchell and Ness as well. Again, got buy-in. People really diving in and understanding our story and is leading to bigger and better partnerships, you know, moving forward. But the Spurs one is what sparked it all. Like we were able to identify and establish ourselves as like a reputable brand in that community through them 
and leading to, to even more to come and hopefully some more releasing this year. Real so. The Real crazy so. part about that is the Spurs is the last team I think will be looking for the sauce. You would think. Like you would think. But they Tim again might be the worst dressed nigga. Having life. that conversation with them, like they understood us. Like it, yeah. it went from Almost like what I do in any kind of a business meeting of like, okay, yeah. I know what culture misfits means, but like, tell me what you think it means so I can see if our minds are in the same place. And they did. They basically like said our brand mission back to us without knowing what it is. And then told me how that is represented in their day to day office culture and on the court culture and how pop talks to the team, like the whole thing. And I was Probably just like, I yeah, I was like, this, this is a match made in heaven, especially one to kick us off, like to have the support, but also the branding aligns so strongly. Like a lot of people have said, like the Spurs, really, like out of all the NBA teams. Yeah. It's like, well, one, they were the first to reach out, but also, again, we I vetted. It, we didn't just do it for the sake of doing it. Like it, the partnership made sense. Right. Yeah. Um, man, I had some there. Um, favorite designers, I have two. Um, Pyre Moss or Virgil. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Pierre Moss, I'm sorry. I'm going with Virgil just because I, I, you know, in, between interviews, articles, the things yeah. that he's done, I'm a huge fan of Off-White and, and how it started, but just the icon that he became and yeah. knowing that he really only shared a portion of his, like, genius with us. Like, right. there was more to give, and and he was being very strategic about, how, again, partnerships and alignment, um, but just even overall philosophy of, like, dream big, be innovative, like, buck the system, the whole thing, like, that, that was him mm-hmm. uh so I'm, yeah very much influenced by and, and yeah. kind of look to him for inspiration like going back and look at previous collections and things of theirs i knew sense. it was gonna be virgin but i tried yeah. to <laughs> that makes sense though because like she, I think you and virgil, she does <laughs> but i think you and virgil kind of both embody this um simplistic elegance yeah like yeah culture misfits has great designs but it's never it never feels like too much is going on. Mm-hmm. It never feels like it's forced. It don't feel too busy. Yeah. It doesn't feel overly like <laughs> in this world. It's not overly produced. Yeah. But it's such high level, like, and everybody loves it. So the the Virgil thing makes perfect sense. Is it? Um, do you still find like inspiration in other brands, or are, are you so into your head that? You don't see anything anymore. No, I'm I'm constantly on the look of just, you know, again, just being a student of it, first and foremost. Like, I, I need to see what's going out there, but based off of just trends in general, like, at the end of the day, we are a business. We have to align in some ways to make sure that we're marketable and right. the things that are being designed. Um, but also, like, there's a whole new generation of, of designers who are empowered to be themselves and be as free as possible because of people like Virgil. So it's like to see what those new designers are doing and then be inspired by it. But I'm inspired by music. I'm inspired by TV, film, travel. Like there's little nuggets. There's conversations, you know, half of with my team now. Like we have essentially 17 hour talk sessions that spark three or four ideas. But the the talking, the having Mm. those conversations is what leads to those ideas. Um, And it's based off of what they're fans of, what their personal styles are, what we're seeing out there. So it's, it's constantly looking. But then you have to toe that line of, not appropriating or copying what you're being inspired by. Like you have to find a way to make it your own, which is half the battle and again part of the inspiration process for me. What's the what's been the most exciting part of this journey for you specifically? Honestly, it's 
the moment that someone who I have no connection with, they're don't they're not related, they're not friends, they're not friends of friends, saying I'm a culture misfit. Mm. Like that they feel spoken to for the first time. Or when parents email or DM us and say, my kid has been struggling in XYZ way, and I think I'm about to make a purchase and give this to them because I think what you're saying will resonate enough to maybe save or change them. Like yeah. that's been huge. And that's been coming a lot more in the last year. Um, we did the, the game plan show with Shaq. People got to hear about us on a more global scale that airing on TNT and those, the outpour of people saying those types of things of all ages, all genders, all, all races saying, either identifying as themselves as a culture misfit and saying that they feel heard for the first time or saying that they know someone that needs to know about us because they know that they're going through something that could essentially like give them a community to belong to. Like that's the biggest, that's mm. the driver, that's why I keep doing it. The clothes come second, the, the notoriety, all that stuff comes second to the actual impact of how I know I'm walking in my purpose and what I'm supposed to be doing. Did they show you crying on TV? They, yes. Oh. <laughs> and I got some footage. I don't think you ever seen it. I got some Uh-oh. footage of you crying at the premiere. At the, oh, I have not seen it. Yikes. Oh, yeah, I got to see it too. <laughs> so. Oh, you wasn't there, was you? I was actually out of town on the job. Yeah. So, you know, we did the, the premiere part, at, yeah. uh, in our clubhouse. She was bawling, crying. And you know Lindsay is, like, so stoic and so... Like it, it perfectly was crafted. a lot. Also, to my credit, like that was the first time me seeing the episode too with a whole room full oh, so of people. Didn't give you any... I didn't hadn't seen any of it, so it was uh, a, a surreal moment. One because I had family next to me. Like when I created Culture Misfits, <laughs> I did not tell my family I was doing it. Mm-hmm. I did it in a silo. I think like you were probably yeah, one of the only yeah, people who knew yeah. it was on the way. Right. Um, mainly because like my mom can, and family can be more logical thinkers, you know, at the time I didn't have a job. So it's like, what am I doing spending money on a new business when you don't have an income coming in? I needed to do it for me first, not, you know, thinking about all the consequences and then what getting into business actually means. Like I just needed it to be out in the world. Um, so to see her hear some of my story for the first time, yeah, that's what brought tears. To I had cousins who've been watching me since they were little, who've known about the brand their whole lives now seeing me shaking hands with Shaq and Quavo, like them coming up to me and saying like, I can do whatever I want to do because you're doing what you want to do. Like, yeah, it, it became emotional. Then I've got the friends and people who like, again, been here from day one, just being like, yeah, this is crazy. Like well, you're on TV right yeah. now. This show actually <laughs> got me fussed at. Well, oh yeah, from so, your? <laughs> no, not even from that. So like two of my cousins are like huge Quavo fans. Right, <laughs> so I think the first thing I put from like stuff that we were doing mm-hmm. in like the family group chat because <laughs> my family group chat is like on a whole nother phone. Yeah, like to be honest, I probably check it like once a week, maybe skim through it. But they love Quavo, and they was like, "You did this thing." I'm like, I wasn't even there. Right, like right. it's just yeah. my friend, and you know, we had the the premiere. Some of it was shot at the in the clubhouse, yeah. but I'm like. I wasn't there. So. It was like I wasn't even on set Quavo Day. Yeah. So then uh, they start going. Then This is like cousins that's like around our age. Mm-hmm. Right. One right. of them might be like 40 or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, like they have Instagram and all this stuff. So that made them go look at the studio right. page. Mm-hmm. They cared nothing about what I was doing <laughs> until, until they saw Yeah, that. I mean, but that's how it always works, right? Like, again, my mom's been supportive from day one. But the moment Shaq said, 
culture misfits, you got something there. She was just like, okay, so you should quit your job. (laughs) When you gonna put me on payroll? Like your sister's gonna come work for you. Like all that didn't happen. At that point, we're seven years in, but Shaq said so. So now, now we're a real business. Yeah, and and I would say like let's let's speak to that, and we got about like 15 minutes left, but let's really talk about like I'm not gonna say it's a lack of support from our peers when we started something from ground zero, Mm -hmm. but it's like they don't really see what we see as real creatives Mm -hmm. or entrepreneurs for for real. Like 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 speak to that. Honestly, like that used to bug me a lot, but I think it it was either Steve Harvey or TD Jakes on Instagram basically saying like what the vision God gave you isn't for everyone. Right. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. Like the the thing that you see, the idea you have, it's not on them to boost you up and motivate you to do it. Like that's not their role in it. They they have their own things going on or whatever it is. So it's like you you really appreciate the ones who are. It, it you know, my my family not necessarily seeing it from day one or even some friends seeing it from afar, but now being like, Oh man, you really still doing that? Like, okay, I didn't know that you were you were that serious. Right. But I think it's also a lot of people to a point you guys made earlier, like dream but and have it on paper somewhere but never actually execute. And so it's mm. people, just, they don't know to believe in you because they've been told right. by whoever their whole lives, like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, and then right. nothing ever happens from yeah. it. It's frustrating as shit. Though. We're the rare ones <laughs> that are actually, like, executing on the things we said out loud. Yeah. And that is less common than the people, like, there's people out here dreaming about a million and one things but don't either know how or don't have the encouragement, whatever it is that's missing. To make them take it there. You, you said something there. It's like they didn't know how. We didn't know how either. But somehow we, we still we, said we, we were willing okay to with, try yeah. and figure it out and learn. And every day is still a learning process. Every single day. It's like mm-hmm. I don't even if we added up how much all we've spent on our businesses, like <laughs> like just money that's just gone. Gone. You know like what I'm saying? Never getting gone. back. And then you add time on top of that, a time that's just gone. Literally, the one resource we can never get back. Right. One of my mentors says, "Ideas are for everybody." Vision is for leaders, mm. and leaders is, leadership is lonely. All of those are very <laughs> like when you, Man. When yeah. you put it's Whenever crazy. I get like frustrated with people not seeing or not moving or not understanding, like, yeah. look at our track record. That's real, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So whenever I get frustrated by that, I go, like, I have that written in a couple mm-hmm. of places, like, and I, with other notes. Mm-hmm. But I go back and read that because I'm like, yo, this week I felt alone. Like, this week I felt like nobody got it. Yeah. And then it's like, or nobody cared. And that's those are the moments where you really have to push through it, but yeah. that's where the vision comes from. Yeah. Like, if you don't have the, if you if everybody had the vision, how could you ever get out front? So, <laughs> you know, I think that it's, it's, it's super frustrating when people are not, but I used to say, you know, they'll catch up when they catch up. I don't know, I'm getting a little bit on the, hey... <laughs> By the time I'm you catch your bank lesson, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you might have to just catch me on TV. Yeah. And and that's okay too. Like I don't another thing is like, even though people, it's gonna be some people that didn't get it from in the beginning that you're gonna bring with you once they get it, or once you just get to a place, they still might not get it, but you care enough About, to bring yeah. them on the journey. Yeah. Everybody can't go. Everybody can't come. Everybody you know can't go. And that's why I asked that question earlier about like losing people. Mm-hmm. Because at a certain point, honestly, the more successful you get, the more you realize how many people you have to lose. Yeah. And being a good person and being a person who wants to take care of people or being a person who just don't want any bad blood with people that you love, reconciling the feelings and everything attached with 
that ain't that ain't go right. Yeah. And they don't even realize that it didn't go right because of them. They think it didn't go right because of you. Yeah. That's a leadership casualty, and we talk about sacrifice all the time, man. Yeah. I don't think people are built for that. I think less than they're built for having yeah. a vision. They're not built for what comes with it. Well, yeah, I mean, you spoke about the the loneliness of it alone. Like that part of it alone, I think deters people from doing it. It's like, yeah, once you when you're really in it and as three business owners of our own individual businesses, like no one is ever going to care or contribute the way that you do. And because of that alone, like I can share all of the details with you, but either way you still won't ever get it the way that I do or care about it the way that I do. Like it is when you lean back is when I lean back into like the vision side of it and like okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. The the drive I'm trying to get to is intentional even if it is lonely, but then right. it's also connecting with your people. Like I know I can have honest conversations with you two about the experiences, even if it's not the exact same. Mm. Like we're having different business challenges, but you still resonate and understand with what I'm going through. So this is the last thing, and I don't want to go too deep into it. Well, this is my last thing. I don't know what else you yeah, got, but yeah. um, not to get too deep into it, your dream cost you a job at the Hawks, indirectly, directly, however. Was that more of a... Now that you've had time to kind of process it, mm -hmm. was that more of a sign that I'm really supposed to be doing this? Or did you feel like, see, now I'm letting this mess up my life? Like, which way did you mm -hmm. process it, you think? I chose the former of like this. It was the, the last full kick out the nest that I needed of like, you've known this was your purpose for a minimum the last two years and you had safety nets in place and you got comfortable. Um, but even, you know, one of my, my mentors was uh, we were talking through investments and all these things and he was just like, why? He's like, if I was an investor, why would I give you money when you don't believe in yourself enough to take the, take the step? It's just like, that, that was real for me for the first time. He was just like, why would any smart business person risk it all for you or bet on you when you clearly are creating safety nets for yourself? You're not risking it all on yourself. So like, a number of things that have happened over the last 12, 18 months or so have given me signs of this is your purpose, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And sometimes you need that extra push that's out, completely outside of your control that says like, nah, but for real, like get out, go do this. So I took it as that. I took it as this, though it ego hurt, pride hurt, frustrated by the situation, have a whole bunch of emotional feelings towards it. At the end of the day, when I really look at what am I supposed to be doing when I wake up every day? It wasn't that. Yeah. It was this. Yeah. But like y'all are gonna be fine. Yeah. Because I'm gonna be fine. Right. So right. like it, it it turned in it's turned into that when you take all of the emotion out of it. Yeah. When when I have conversations with friends, family, God, like it, at the end of the day, it's like not nah, this. You weren't doing your purpose, and God got tired of you playing games. Like. Yeah. And I think that's true. I think everybody says it's cliche, but that was a six figure job. I had a six, like, it's, this is... You have to almost walk away from the six-figure job. clearly not yeah. <laughs> about money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I, towards the end, when we first started the studio, we were maybe, we were maybe a month in, month two in. I couldn't open my computer at my six-figure job that the check was coming, like, I couldn't open my computer to log in. Like, it just, like, my mind just was like, this, this felt like jail. And people think that's crazy because it's like, make all the money, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But those people also don't have the vision. They don't have the vision. So that, that's what it always has come down to. And, and they also, don't have I, the purpose. I, I, yeah. I'll say this too. Like, you know, like I always talk about like having a scarcity mindset versus a, a mm -hmm. mindset of abundance. Like, 
you got to leave that six figure job to make money. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying? you got to leave the you know like Keith Miller um, one million dollar deal to make the ten million or hundred million or whatever you made when you made more money. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like it's you gotta that, leave the bad like, chick to get away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you you, you gotta you you gotta cut. You know that, that's what you got out of that. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> that, that, that's to what get you heard. to the core of what it is. So yeah so. i mean yeah like at the end of the day i've never been someone that was just like oh like even getting hype off of the paycheck it's just like at the end of the day like i'm always gonna make more like it is i've never had that the scarcity mindset of like oh i gotta save all my pennies and you know make sure that i can do it from what i'm looking at right now it's just like oh no i i already know what i'm capable of i know who i believe in <coughs> and i know what the vision is that i have like so just the situation with the house i just say this and i won't say anything else like just that like being like removed from her situation is just going to open those doors for that next step for the brand and the next level and that leads into my last thing mm -hmm. um what are some next steps for the brand um what does 2023 look like what are some things that you want um some of our viewers to kind of look forward to yeah i mean it's it's more collabs and collections like at the end of the day we're we're continuing to tell stories through different experiences and things that we're going to put on we've got a couple of events playing with you guys that we're trying to get off the ground um, leading into the summer. But it's the goal for this year is really just continuing to, to increase the brand awareness in a way that is impactful. Mm. And, and that means, you know, hopefully you're seeing your favorite celebrity, et cetera, wearing whatever it is. But it also means that you're buying one for yourself because you resonate with the brand enough yeah. and that we're putting out, continuing to put out that high quality product, telling our story, getting into a few stores, both here in Atlanta uh, as well as around the country, but that's that's it. It's, it's gotcha. scale. It's growth. Is the so I don't think we talked about this before we before we proceed. Um, where can we buy Culture Misfits? Currently uh, on our websites, culturemisfits.com. Again, okay. cultures with a K, um, and then in, at Village Market Retail uh, in Pont City Market, second floor above Hops, we've got a small collection um, available there. Shout out Pont City and Market. Instagram. Yep. And Instagram, yeah. So all of our social media, uh, Instagram is culture.misfits. You know, your Facebook, YouTube, Facebook, et cetera, it's all, all the same. Yep. And my last thing, you know, I got to go a little, got to go a little off the tracks. <laughs> got to go a little off the tracks. Well, first I'm going to do the, the good question. Who's the one person you want to put a Culture Misfit product on? The one person above everybody. Kendrick Lamar. Why? Everything from, so I consider when you look at art and KM as art, Kendrick is the conscious rapper that I want to embody in KM form, if that makes sense. So like in the version of clothes, like he's, every album he's put out, storytelling has a purpose. You got some for the masses where people can turn up, et cetera, but, you, but at the end of the day, like there's meaning to every single piece that he's put out. So whether it's the biggest fame and success and he's on tour and selling out, or he's chilling more low key and only 15 people like that album, he's still him the entire time still has the story told still has the a message that he's, he's putting out he's remained himself he's staying true to his hometown like all of those things i look at as from a branding standpoint love it and then i, I resonate with his music um so it as a if i only had one shot one person to get it on whether it moved the needle for km tenfold or not at all i still would want it to be him and favorite kendrick album just because you went there <laughs> 
Good Kid, Good Kid, Mad City is is still my favorite, yeah. but I, I I mean I think The Pimple Butterfly is underrated. Like I think people aren't, aren't talking. The so Pimple yeah. Butterfly was my least favorite <laughs> at release, mm-hmm. and now it's my favorite. You go back and listen to it, and you, you it's it, a, it's your one. Ears just wasn't ready. Yeah, for that I was gonna shit. say it's different phases of life. Like you listen to all of his music, and yeah. that applies to a lot of people's music. I but. think sonically, like it's it's you don't get to all right until six. Yeah. That first five, like you. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I wasn't in that spot, and I was yeah. like, "But now you know, you you've lived but, a little bit, and you're like, yo." And and it might have one of the best closing, probably four songs. Agreed. I put that with Blueprint and mm. Life After Death as the best close and Black Album. Black Album has three, but just closing, I break everything down like mm-hmm. that. But closing four songs is hard to beat. A lot of people talk about intros. A lot of people talk mm-hmm. about singles. I look at how you finish. Like, it's the Michael Jordan effect. Yeah. How you finish this album means everything to me. And then my last thing, I want a job at KM. I know exactly what job I want. <laughs> and I almost do it? it for free. Okay. Almost. Almost. I want to handle all the casting calls for the female models <laughs> oh my at <God>. KM. <laughs> I just want that. That's my, yeah, that's, that's my dream said. second job is to handle <laughs> the KM model calls. For are all. you saying that based off of like who our previous models have been? Like I can't confirm nor <laughs> deny. You've had some great picks. I want to continue the legacy. Got it. Oh, got I it. want a mailing list. <laughs> I want yeah. But you know that's it. That's it. Noted. I just had to go off the rails a little bit. Noted. Got it. Is cool. Noted means I got it. Or <laughs> oh my god. Noted means I just want to get a, it's, a letter. It's, it's, I want to get this confirmation. You want a letter of intent, like the whole like, thing. I just oh need to god. hold you to something, like. It's, it's an unnamed person who who has who's supposed to invest in KM and it's video footage and the video didn't come out and I understand how important it is to get video documentation so I want you to say on camera <laughs> that I can have this job or you'll at least interview me for this job. I will at least interview you for the oh job. Oh my god. I'm good then. Yeah. I'm good then. All right, cool. That's changes, man. We out. We out.